Are we? Yep. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning, dear everyone. Good morning to you. No one's no one's paying attention. All right, that's good. Please don't pay attention. Hi, y'all. How you doing? Okay, I gotta, I gotta do this. There we go. Hi. We start out small again. So should we wait until half the class gets here in about ten minutes? No, no, no. It's almost ten minutes. It's class thirty. No, it's three minutes. Ten Oops. Okay, my apologies, my apologies. Um, okay, so we have an introduction first, but where'd she go? There she is. Um, Miss Linda has um, two more things for Royal Families Kids Camp. Camp starts a week from today, and people need to start praying today. So I'm really excited. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited because um, there's been, you know, you know, the enemy's been a little active lately. I'm just thinking, but we know who has the victory. Amen. And and um, I, it makes me all the more excited to see the miracles that God is going to do at camp. So um, I just have two, you know, we had some late changes in the staff roster, so I only have two more left. And they're for the grandma and the grandpa of the camp. And they get to just, they have family pictures with the campers. Some of them never had a, quote, family picture. And they just basically get to just get to know the kids, sit down with them while they're doing arts and crafts, or go on the sports field and, and cheer them on. And, and then they get to do those little safe hugs and they just love on the kids and and um, so that's who you'd be praying for and because it's so late um, well we give you two options we either give you permission to write the notes here in class during class or miss uh, miss Linda or, will write the notes, write for you. The notes for but you. you'll do the praying so just so the praying. So do we have? I'll take the second note. I'll, I'll let him write the note and I'll pray. Okay. Because the writing is really hard for me. Okay. Awesome. All righty. Anyone want to take the last one then? You don't have to. Could you write your email? And, yeah. So you'll write for me. So what your responsibilities are to pray with them beforehand, pray with them during, and uh, pray for after. <laughs> yes. For, for recovery. Uh, and uh, if you if you give me your email, then I can send you some updates from camp and just encourage you to pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And like I said, you're given grace to actually write during class, so feel free to to do that. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay. So Lord, we're just going to open up in prayer, Father, and we say thank you for for being our strength. Thank you, Lord, Father, that. Um, 
regardless of what our day looks like, regardless of what yesterday looks like, regardless of what tomorrow looks like, you are with us. Lord, um, through the ups, through the downs, through the um, mentally not being here or mentally, um, Lord, just through it all, um, through our hopes, through our fears, you're with us. Lord, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to um, to fall off course, but it is your spirit that gives us the strength and the direction and the gentle um, tug to, to get back into focus. So we welcome you today in a mighty way to say, have your way. Let us, Lord Father, each of our hearts be in alignment with what you desire for today. Let this conversation be guided by your love, by your grace, by your presence. And Lord, um, let us learn something new in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, last week we had some good discussion and we went over kind of the ABCDs and I kind of gave out this uh, lovely, well, not that handout, this handout. Anyone have any comments or questions regarding that stuff that we talked about last week? Okay. Libby had a question or comment about last week? Here we go. So we were talking about. Okay, that's it. Do we still have my notes for the other side? Yes, okay. Um, so really we're talking about how do, we, how do we change our mind? How do we renew our mind? How do we look at things differently? But I wanted to start off this class a little bit differently. Got a question. What do you do? And this is... It's, yeah, I'm going to leave it gender neutral. So your spouse is being, pardon my language, total butthead. Okay? And they are totally disrespecting um, someone else. And they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. All right? What do you do? What do you do? Chew them out. Okay, that's an I, honest answer. I'm just kidding. But, but it's an honest answer. How many times have we chewed out our spouse for doing something butthead? Okay, All right, it's an honest answer. So what do we do? What's, what's the appropriate church response? Well, I'll just give a personal what I have done. So first of all, I say nothing, and I think about it, and then I, I, you know, might go in the other room, or I might go to the restroom, or I might, you know, I just kind of exit, or walk the dog, or whatever. I just kind of leave for a time period, and, and I go in my mind, like, to the Lord, and I say, oh my gosh, and then everything I wanted to say to him, and chew him out, I just say to the Lord, I can't believe he did this, he did that, he is such a butthead, and and I'm walking faster and faster and faster and faster, and I just get it all out, and then I'm like, hmm, and then I say, well, 
am I supposed to say anything to him or not? And then a lot of times I hear nothing. So I'm like in the dark, I have no idea. So then I just keep walking the dog and then I get home and I just ask the Lord, you know, am I supposed to say anything? And then sometimes he'll tell me what to say, but most of the time I'm too angry. And so I just don't say anything because I don't want to say anything in anger. So most of the time I just don't say anything. And then maybe a few days later when I finally feel like, oh, okay, I'm not so angry, then maybe I'll say something. Okay. Thank you very much for your vulnerability and sharing so authentically. There we go. Anyone else? What else do we do when our, when our, when our spouse is acting irresponsibly, especially when a third party is involved? Sometimes I apologize, I think. Um, and maybe not always, only for a spouse. Okay. <laughs> maybe if I've been with a parent or even a kid, um, if somebody really is mistreating somebody else, um, generally speaking, maybe not in front of their face. You know, the offending party says that I might wait until I have a moment of privacy or semi-privacy and just say sorry for that, you know. Okay. Okay. That's also, thank you very much for sharing. Anyone else? Um, sometimes I just go like this, just to let them know that what they're doing right now is making me sad. Okay. Because usually I'm not in a position to be saying anything, because if I say something, it's obviously going to make what's going on worse. Okay. So sometimes that will simmer things down. For those of you that didn't see, she went like this, like a teardrop coming down her face. Okay. Thank you. It's a nonverbal way of showing that there was pain experienced. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. Okay. Um, anyone else? Okay. What about, um, let's see. Where's, what about, what do you do when someone nicely reads your mail? and tells you how awful you've been. Oh, same thing. I give it to all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, how many people walk away and say, well, thank you. I really appreciated that criticism. Um, I'm going to change completely. And telling you nicely everything that you're doing. Same thing. I have to go process it with the Lord because they, number one, have to know me really well and, you know, I've actually had this happen, actually. And same thing. I say nothing, go process it with the Lord and then that's that. Okay. Anyone else? Any response? I think sometimes I ask myself, is it the message or the messenger? Because okay. if the message is true, does it really matter? You know, if I would have been a bonehead or I said something offensive or whatever, and a person called me on it, just because I don't like that person, I'm still wrong, you know. And then in some instances where it may be the messenger where a person who's always critical of people and judgmental and just, you know, 
always just like to find faults in people, then I just like, mm, let me think about this for a minute. Okay. Um, that is good. Do you remember at the beginning of this series, we said that we're not necessarily going to give you answers, but we're going to challenge your thinking? Okay, today's one of those days. Um, the questions that I just brought up actually relate very specifically to two stories in Scripture. Can you think what they might be? Oh, um, that woman that was married to that man, and the man was a real butthead, and <laughs> King David... Oh, that'd be good. King David yep. came and Mabel and Abigail. Mm -hmm. And she went out to King David, humbled herself, and took all of her husband's garbage on herself and begged him to not kill her husband, who was a bedhead anyway. I don't understand why she just didn't let him. So the backstory is King David was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. All right, and he was protecting the land and the property of people out there. Okay, so he was protecting them not only from thieves and uh, what is what's the word marauders, you know, people going through the land, but also protecting them from the foxes that might have, you know, so really helping this individual live the most prosperous life from harm that they can because he and his men were protecting them, and David thought. I think I deserve something for this. At, at least feed me, exactly. Okay, can, can give me some food, okay? Me and my men have been out here protecting you and your property. And Nabal basically said, uh, no, sorry, didn't ask you to do it. Aren't going to give you anything for it. So um, I'm going to read, this is from uh, 1 Samuel 25, 18. Um, Actually, I'm going to start, yeah, okay, about 17, a little bit before. Um, speaking of Nabal, he's such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread. Why did she act quickly, by the way? Because when he, Nabal said no to David, David ah, all right, no problem. I'm going to tell you, Nabal, what I saved you from. I'm going to go and kill every male every male that's connected to you, okay? That's what David wanted to do. Um, and we'll see that here. So, okay. Um, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five um, saves of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, loaded them on her don donkey. Then she told the servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, there was David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness, so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, right? May God deal with myself, be it ever so severely, if by the morning I leave alive one male of, whom, of all whom belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man Nabal. 
He is just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. As for me, your servant, I did not see the man the, the Lord sent. My Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away from the, pocketing of, from the pocket of a sling. And when the Lord has fulfilled my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed his him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought your Lord success, remember your servant. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm going to throw something out there. I don't know what you're, I mean, you said you're teaching on uh, making us, having us, giving us the opportunity to sing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw something out there about that story. I think she was very codependent. She what do you guys a, think? She was a god. Let me explain. She was a godly woman. She knew about respect. She knew about honor. Okay, and she loved. Apparently, she loved her husband because she wanted to protect him from being killed. And she, there were some natural consequences to his choices, and she went and she prevented that. What do you guys think? I, I think you have to look at it from another standpoint. She, even though Nabal himself was a fool, his consequences were going to cause a lot of innocent men to be killed. So I think she's looking at it from, okay, I understand my husband, excuse the language, an idiot, but, you know, um, I can't let him and his foolishness caused the death of so many innocent men. So I think that she looked at it from a standpoint, not of trying to protect him, but of trying to protect all the innocent lives that would have been killed because of him. Okay, okay. What other perspectives are there? We have codependency on one hand, and we have, um, how, do we, how do we succinctly say that? We have a hero. Heroin on the other end. I'm going to be out to protect. What if she was saying, I feel like I've been here, that your actions represent you? I mean, because, you know, in a marriage, especially back then, you know, like a woman was very much subservient to the husband who was the head of the home, and you had to respect that, you know, um, which are still, you know, we still deal with that dynamic today. Um, but what if she was just representing herself? You know, what if she was saying, that's not me, that's not how I want to be made, when she was just trying to represent who she was in the situation. Maybe she was like, he's doing wrong, but I still have my part and I want to do the right thing, you know? Okay, that's, that's a good perspective as well. I would add to that also the consideration of, I would rather not be raped, because that's a result of what happens in a war situation. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, 
taken in a very violent manner. Um, so I just want to, you know, just make it plain. <laughs> I ain't in that. <laughs> okay. All right. Good point as well. David? Um, I kind of like what they're saying and the idea that while her husband may have been a, a real jerk or, and behaving badly and an idiot, he still provided a room for food and, and daily needs for her somehow. And obviously it doesn't go into what kind of a life that was. Maybe that was a really good life. Maybe it was a really bad life. We don't know. But either way, she was willing to, what she was doing was trying to prevent something from damaging that. I think, yes. I always thought David was wrong. Okay. Because um, he could have just said, okay, I'll just stop protecting this guy and let the consequences happen to him rather than leave the consequences. Okay, that's a very good point as well. I seem to learn a little bit about how to do, uh, how to do with people uh, in front of her husband uh, because she was basically destroyed her own future. Sure, yeah, look at her own future, right. yeah. Yeah. I'm sure of it as well. Um, I'm trying to, you know, what I find is very interesting is, let's see, we've had how many different opinions? And they're all correct, potentially. Okay, we don't know exactly what was going on. We know that she acted quickly. Okay, so it didn't say that she went and you know spent a couple of days you know praying about it. All right, um, it said that she acted very quickly. All right, it didn't say that. Um, well, I mean, the one thing that I do know. From the reading, she had a godly perspective, and she knew who David was. Okay? How do I know that? And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming him, and let this gift um, be given to the men who follow you, uh, the Lord your God will continue, will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing you. So he knew, she knew who David was. She knew who David was. She knew his destiny, right? Because for those of you that don't remember, um, Saul was trying to take out David. All right, many times Saul was trying to take out David. So this is one of the times David was on the run from Saul. Okay, did you have something? Oh, I didn't want to stop you. Go ahead. I, was, oh. I had a comment after you're done. Um, so she, she knew who David was, recognized his God-given authority and God-given position, all right, which I think also certainly played into what she did with regards to covering up her husband. 
So I think that when she speaks about David, she also talks about him from a godly perspective in terms of him shedding innocent blood. So the issue is she actually also protected David because David was going to now slaughter innocent men, which had nothing to do between him and Nabal. And so if he had slaughtered those men, he would have had the answer to the Lord for slaughtering innocent blood. Okay. To take it back to last week, the activating event, all right, what was going on that was causing this reaction? Her husband said no to a man of God. All right. Her belief system, I got to do something. All right. Not necessarily just to cover my bottom and protect myself and spare people's lives, but also for the sake of David. That's where her belief system went to. So when we talk about codependency, just on the front end of it, everyone know what codependency is? Yes, no? Okay. Let's see if I can come up with a good definition. Codependency is essentially doing a lot of things for everyone else that aren't necessarily your job to do to be their savior. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm going to help you clean the house because you've got people coming over and you haven't done that in three years, so I'm going to come in and say, oh, you're drunk today? I'm going to call your boss for you and I'm going to tell your boss that you're sick. Oh, you're bounced the check again? I'm going to go get more money from my parents to cover. Okay. So all of those may be examples of codependency. I don't know if someone else has got a better definition. Well, I think to add to that, though, that that person gets a certain amount of self-worth from that. That is where their identity, yeah, very, very true. Their identity is kind of, and then they wind up usually being the victim. Codependents usually wind up being the victim because I didn't get appreciated for that. They were supposed to pay me back, and they never paid me back. I'm the one that, why are they, okay. So with codependency, they usually wind up feeling good at the moment, being the savior, rescuer, but then they become the victim emotionally because they're doing it for the wrong motive. It's kind of like keep loaning people money, expecting to get paid back and never get paid back. If you keep loaning people money and keep getting upset or not being able to pay your bills because you're loaning people money, that's codependent. Make sense? Okay. You know, at some point you just say, okay, here, have it. I have extra. Here, have it. Okay. Anyway, so the other story that I was talking about, where someone reads your mail, that one might be a little bit more – anyone know where that story came from? No. How about the woman at the well? The woman at the well. Okay. Here she is hiding in broad daylight because she already knows that everyone in society is against her. All right. You don't, in a desert climate, go out and draw water 
in the heat of the day. Okay? So there's already something there that we know that she's not, you know, the queen of the town. She's not the socialite, all right? She's probably more the social outcast. And here this guy is, all right? She doesn't even really recognize him as Lord at first, right? She doesn't necessarily know who he is. And her mail gets read, all right? Hey, I got to tell you, you're sleeping around with a bunch of people. You're doing a bunch of stuff you shouldn't be doing. And what was her response? Does anyone remember the story? What was her Change response? Change the subject. <laughs> okay. But he kept reading her mail. Change the subject again. He kept reading her mail. I don't know how many times she changed the subject. Okay. Twice at least. You must be a prophet. You understand everything about me. But now the social outcast is going and telling everyone, telling everyone about this man who read her mail and offers something. Now, I find it interesting that our perspectives of when people read our mail were mostly, well, I got to see if I agree with them. I got to check out the story. Okay? It's not easy when someone comes up and reads our mail, is it? How do we change the perspective? How do we get to recognize that this person that's reading our mail may be a prophet from God? Why are we receiving it the way we're receiving it? I really liked what she said that I think the reason why I don't receive from someone who's reading my mail is because do I trust them? Um, do they have integrity? Are they walking what they're talking about? I've got all this stuff going through my head, but I really like what she said because in the Bible, God used ungodly, right, Babylon or whatever to shake the Israelites up or whatever. So. so the only people we should allow to read our mail is no. those that no, are... No, that's why I'm saying I like what she <laughs> said about the message. If the message is right, then it doesn't really matter who the messenger is. That's true. That's what she said. <laughs> so if you're wrong, it's, it's your fault, Elaine. Yeah. I, I say that because I had this older godmother. You know how sometimes older people, they're just blunt. And she would just say, well, if I haven't seen her in a long time, your butt's getting big. You know, and, and I knew her heart, you know. And then if it was true, it's true. But, you know, I mean, like, well, daddy, but... I knew what she was trying to say. That's just right. what she communicated. <laughs> right, right, right. No, there's truth in that. Linda? Well, I was, when she said something about the message or the messenger, there are times when when the messenger maybe just had a really bad day and they're like being super critical. So you have to evaluate, is, is there truth in that message or is it they just have a bad day and they're super critical or whatever? That's what I got out of it. Okay. How many times are we do we receive a word and then 
respond to that word internally with shame and condemnation. Okay, to, to use your thing with your, uh, what did you say, godmother? You know, you know, you got a big, my uncle does the same thing. Okay, first words, haven't seen him in a couple of years. You're fat. Okay, thank you. You know, all right. I think we all have them, right? We all have them, all right? There's, there's someone in that family that, that will just kind of like take your worst attribute and they'll pinpoint it and highlight it, all right? How do we respond, right? We're changing perspectives. We're changing our perceptions. How do we respond? What did the woman at the well do? She finally got to a point where she didn't have to hide in broad daylight from people. But she took it, there was a shift in, in the condemnation, I don't want to say condemnation, in the correction that the Lord brought before her. It went from condemnation to correction in her mindset. And she was then able to tell the same people that she was hiding from about this wonderful prophet. That's a mind shift. How do we get from here to there? You said that you were going to give her a wonderful gift of living water. So, I mean, that made her feel valuable. I guess you could be wanting to give her such a precious gift. It's a good point. That's a good point. It's like that. <clears throat> the message, the, the messenger delivered them the message, but at the same time, he, he don't condemn, and he give the answer. He say, hey, yeah, you've been doing this, but you cannot longer do it. So he, he gave it the opportunity to change the, her mind in that moment, and she took it. So that's why the mindset changed right away. So that's when you realize that really, really, you are with someone, that uh, is give you the opportunity to change. And that's when you can change. Really good point. It could be confirmation in a prayer. You know, let's just say you've been prayer and complaining about someone else. And like always for me, I come to this class or the you, Ron, Leona, Joe, and teaching. And something said is that it hits me like, ooh, ouch. You know, but it was confirmation of something that I needed to hear mm -hmm. about myself. You know, maybe I didn't like it, but it was for me to hear and for me to go home and meditate on it, you know, and not be offended by it or anything. It's good. Just to expand on, on what I said earlier, it's like um, if, you, if you have a part of your life that is a secret or hidden, then you make it into this, well, if, if they knew, nobody would like me, nobody would value me. So because of this hidden secret, and that's that's what she had. You know, she felt like she had to be so isolated and hiding from people. Because if they knew, you know, they surely they wouldn't value another person. And yet she came through and just broke through all of that. 
and value her, even though he had met, he had read her mail and knew everything about her, knew every bad thing she had ever done. He still valued her, and that was just like a great thing. It's very good. Um, I want to read something that I got recently in the email. Um, this comes from Dr. Sharon May. Um, she um, runs this place called the Safe Haven Relationship Center, um, which is in Southern California. Um, and we sat under a, a few of her teachings. Um, at a conference we went to recently, and um, this was part of her, her blog. Um, they actually do uh, like weekend marriage intensives down there as well, so if you want further information, um, let me know and I can get you that too. Um, but I'm only reading a, a portion of it, but um, um, let's see. Okay, um, this is Galatians 5.15. If you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. In other words, careful how you argue as you are hurting not only someone else, but your own character. Colossians 3.9. So don't react the way you have been, um, You've been, as you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self. Psalm 26, 2 and 3, Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. This psalm is known as a prayer for character. It is asking God to open our eyes so that we can really see what we don't see about ourselves. Being vulnerable so we are seen, really seen, is humbling and sometimes scary. But we are willing to see our shortcomings because we want to grow and mature. This psalm reminds us that we can trust God with our vulnerable side because of his love and faithfulness in us. She goes on, getting along in relationships is not always easy. Just think back to the last time you got hurt or upset with someone you care about. Maybe it was earlier today or sometime yesterday. And often when we're hurt, our emotions shout, say what you're feeling, and share how wrong the person is for doing what they did, and blame others, run, hide, protect yourself. Sound familiar? Oh, the momentary satisfaction of telling someone exactly how you feel via a three-minute angry rampage, a three-line angry text, or three-hour-long sulk. Reacting out of our hurt and anger might feel good in the moment, but it often gives way to the remorse, I shouldn't have done that sometimes followed by the disappointment. I don't like the part of myself that reacts in that way. The way we react silently shapes who we are, our character. We often forget this. If we react with impatience, defensiveness, criticism, resentment, and anger, we are becoming more impatient, defensive, critical, resentful, and angry. If we focus on what others are doing to hurt us, how right we are, how unfair life is, and how we have to protest or protect ourselves, we will store up in our hearts grudges, resentments, negativity, and the right to be angry. The negative way we react strengthens neural pathways confirming our negative beliefs about others, life, and even ourselves. The roller coaster ride of reacting negatively in the moment doesn't grow character 
and doesn't help us to become the person we really want to be. It's often hard to slow down and discover what we're really feeling and then find the courage to react in the way that is honoring and kind. But when we're able to, we find that we're better able to share um, what we want, what we truly want understood. And our hearts soften, we start believing in others and discovering we're able to give and get the love we really need. Yes, if everyone else matured, our relationships would improve. But if we mature, we become a better person. And of course, that would improve our relationships. It is our character that is most valuable. It takes courage to do things differently, to react with wisdom and kindness. What do you guys think of that? So when we look at these stories of Abigail, did her character grow or did her character shrink? Okay, she was courageous. She stood up and she gave honor to the future king. Okay, she was protecting her husband. I don't believe it was in a codependent way. I think from today's world, we can look at it and say that was codependent, but when you look at it in the totality, I believe she was a God-fearing woman. And while she didn't take time to sit down and go before the Lord and wait for an answer to prayer, I believe she was used of God. Okay. Um, the woman at the well. Did her character grow? Okay. It grew because she chose to listen to the messenger and receive the gift of possibility of change. And I think there's some real important lessons here when we're talking about perspectives and perceptions. We've got to look beyond the moment. You have to look beyond the moment, both inside and outside, in our responses and our actions. And if we do that, incredible things happen. When we don't do that, it becomes a little bit more... I like what Pastor said upstairs. It comes about the I and the me, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because it's all about me, not. In both of these examples, their perceptions were based on I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Of course, they didn't recognize Christ as Christ back then because he wasn't, but you understand what I'm talking about, okay? Who got Through God who strengthens me. We'll leave it at that. Um, and that, that's really what it comes down to. Um, I'm trying to think. It's like Ron and I went through this, but he's not here, so it's really hard for me when he's not here. I'm not going to do that. Okay, I think at this point, what do you guys think of the things that were said today? By myself or you guys? Because I love this class because I learned so much from you guys, just to let you know. I really love and appreciate you all. With Abigail, is there any 
different if I'm understanding the story, remembering correctly, that it didn't get presented as a wise as we go behind the scenes and do things to bail ourselves without the science, without the knowledge. Well, I think that's the hard part for me. Oh, I was saying, is it any different? Not to that extent, but you know how sometimes as wives, we go behind the scenes, maybe if our husbands may have said something, and we go behind and correct it when we're confronted with it, or they clean the kitchen, and then they don't do it right, but we go back and, you know, straighten up again. <laughs> or they help with the laundry, and then they fade all the clothes, and then we go bleach again. <laughs> I'm helping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't want to tell them because we don't want to hurt their feelings, so we just go correct it and don't tell them. Plus, I want to well, figure that on purpose so that we'll never have to do that again. Wow. <laughs> Says the youth in the room. Um, you know what? That's what I love about this class. It's real. It's real. And I think. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. <laughs> I think when we go behind and clean up someone else's mess, um, oftentimes we do it in an unhealthy manner. Um, when we go behind and clean up someone's mess, there's an unsaid message of you're not doing it right. They recognize when you put the bleach in, you know, the next time. Um, they recognize, and, and there's an unspoken message that what you're doing isn't good enough. Um, you know, it's like, how, how would you feel if the person at your work went behind and changed up your report, you know, every time you, and then you didn't get credit or, you know. And they didn't tell you. That. And they didn't tell you, okay. You can learn from that mistake, but if they never tell you, I get it. Exactly. Um, I'll just wear the pink shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mean, and at the same time, and at the same time, what Abigail did, I believe very strongly based on, again, you know, doing, seeing where Abigail was, seeing what God did, see, I believe that what she did was completely in alignment. It wasn't wrong in that perspective. So therefore, that would say to me that there are times and instances where, for lack of better way to communicate, it is okay to go behind someone's back and clean up their mess. But to do it on a regular basis and to make a regular pattern of it because your way is better. I don't know that she was saying my way is better. I think she was representing what the Lord wanted in that situation. And there's a big difference there. So sometimes it's just with the best speak for itself. Yeah, sometimes. No, it depends on the situation. I had a, um, I used to, my, uh, my son, when he was in preschool, um, I became friends with the preschool director. And he used to do a little bit of, of side work for them. And one of the things that I loved is you know, she would be sitting on the carpet or whatever, and she would spill her drink, and she would announce very loudly, oh my goodness, Miss Jeannie spilt her whatever, okay? So everyone would look and see that she spilt her whatever, okay? And I was like, that was really weird. Why are you doing that, lady? She's like, and then she would say, 
Oh, I have to clean it up. And she would model. She said, it's okay, I spilt my mess. I have to clean it up now. She's modeling responsibility. Wow, that's good. Okay, she was modeling responsibility. She knew who she was. She knew what her goal was in the relationship with those children, which is to help grow them up, help grow their character, right? Because that was one of the things we're talking about here as well, is, is the character of individuals. And when we're doing this, are we laying for either ourselves, because this is internal as well as external processes, are we leaving room for ourselves to grow in character, in our thinking, and in our belief systems? Are we leaving room for others? Um, I don't remember exactly who said it over here, but I think it was you, Linda, that was saying that the way that it was said, it get, or was it you, Luis? I think it was you, Luis. Um, it was said in a way that the other person gave them space to grow. Gave them space to grow. You know? And that is such a powerful thing. So when we're responding to someone else or responding internally to ourselves, the woman at the well had to respond internally. Something different, something clicked. She had to be willing to say, oh, my belief system doesn't have to be that I have to run and hide because I'm this, this, and this. This prophet told me I have something better and I can go share that now. Abigail didn't necessarily go on and on about what a fool and an idiot her husband is and he has, she has to protect him and please don't, you know, please don't um, do anything to harm our family because, you know, I, I'm here to be the big, big savior for my family. But instead she's saying, my husband didn't act responsibly, but I know you're a man of integrity. You're a man of God. You've got, okay. The response, she understood where she was, and that's what that's what we're asking all of us to do. And trust me, I got a long way. I mean, I'm, I'm working hard on this, but I'm preaching to myself right now. <laughs> Gina? Um, for many, many years in my home, I have, and my family, I have been a peacemaker, and I have made excuses, especially from the message. Um, why we can't go to dinner with you, why we don't come to your house anymore. Um, it, a lot of people have been hurt over the years, and I have always tried to be in the middle. And when I came to this class, is where I have learned, I'm not responsible for his reactions, only for myself. Mm -hmm. And now I have learned to just speak the truth. He doesn't want to come. I'm sorry, I miss your fellowship. He doesn't want to do that. And now he reaps his own consequences mm -hmm. because I'm no longer in the middle, but I am a much freer person. Amen. This class. Amen. Amen. Did you guys get that? That's good. Okay. It's good stuff. It's not easy stuff. None of this is easy. None of this is easy. And there's no one 
two, three, 12 step, 10 step, nine step process that's gonna get us from point A to point B. The thing that we need to work on is where's our perspective and where's our perception. Perspective is, are we willing to change direction and see something differently? Are we willing to put ourselves in someone else's place? To try to see it from their way. In spite of how badly they're hurting us emotionally, okay? Physical abuse, get out of there. Don't, don't, okay? Um, but are we willing to understand where that person's coming from? Are we willing to look at that person with Christ's eyes? Are we willing to look at ourselves with Christ's eyes? I would venture to say if there was some invisible meter on all of us, all right, we all carry some type of shame and condemnation. Some, much more than you would have thought. It's the, because that's what the enemy tries to do. You're not good enough. You're not spiritual enough. You don't pray well enough. You don't study well enough. You don't have the, uh, the Greek down the way that the pastor does. You don't, uh, you don't clean the kitchen counters well enough. Okay? You're not a good enough parent. You're not a good enough daughter. You're not a good enough spouse. Okay? Oh, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe we should have done that. How come you didn't do more of this? How come you don't work harder? Why don't you relax? <laughs> wow! Has anyone ever, you know, gotten down on themselves because people keep telling them they need to just chill? Okay, and they don't relax. Well, I know I should be relaxing, but I can't relax because I got so much to do. I don't know why I can't relax. You know, and you get down on yourself because you can't relax. Okay. Are we willing to change our perspectives? Are we willing to change our perceptions? How we think, how we feel, how we're responding to what's going on in our life. And that's all that we're trying to do through this study. We get to do um, what's called pain and potential for the next couple of weeks, um, which I'm excited by. Um, doesn't that sound good, pain and potential? <laughs> okay. It's um, what's What's really cool is we have the ability to take a down road and deal with life from a painful perspective or a potential perspective. And how do we go from the bottom to the top? That's, that's what we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited by that. So questions, comments, or snide remarks? Where's Ron? Ron is in... On his way to West Virginia. So I dropped him off at the airport at 3.30 this morning. Oh, you did awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.